Hi and welcome, guys. I'm sitting here with uh, Rolf again and hey. Konstantin, who Hi. is a um, first hour member of Trade Society, pretty much of our community. You have been with us all the way. Pretty cool. Right. Uh, thanks for that. And he's also a good friend because we met in Berlin a few weeks ago and had some drinks, one or two together. So <laughs> it's going to be really cool um, to do this interview. Uh, first time he came in contact with trading in 2002, but he said more of a gambling approach back then. And uh, since 2013, so seven years now, he's a full-time trader. So welcome. Right. Great to have Thanks you. for having me. Hi, Moritz. Hi, Rolf. Hi. Yeah, thank you so much for taking the time. This is going to be so awesome. You are pretty much living the dream that everybody um, who is starting trading is after. So this is going to be really cool. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> I will tell you all about it and how I achieved this dream. <laughs> cool. So let's get right into it. Uh, what is and what was your biggest challenge as an independent retail trader? So the biggest challenge was obviously um, from a losing trader, trader or break-even trader to become profitable and the whole transition um, getting there. Yeah. Because I think the main problem is that trading is a performance sport. You get like feedback right away. You get measured the whole time. And this feedback and the ego is a problem at the beginning. Because obviously you have to, to take some losses first. Mm -hmm. And this is prob uh, really hard for the most people. Mm -hmm. So getting a, a strategy that is set in stone and trading it through like two, three years and adapting it. Um, this was, I think, the hardest part. Okay, so you were system hopping a lot in the beginning, I guess? I was system hopping a lot. I was clicking through YouTube and through blogs and all that stuff. Yeah. And this is, I think, nowadays, I think, it's okay if you are like in a learning mode and learning stuff and you need to see how other people are doing it. But at one point, you need to like do your own analysis do your own work, do your own research, do your own watch list. And this transition was the hardest part for me, at least. For sure, yeah, for me too. So why did you make this? Um, was the pain too much when you said finally, okay, I'm going to stop system hopping now and I'm going to stick with my own approach no matter what? Was, was it because the pain was so much of losing? Were you sick of it? Or? Uh, yes, I was really sick of losing. And um, I had saved some money. So I was like trying it full time already. And it was like a year has passed. And I was like, ah, I don't know. I don't want to go back to the nine to five uh, normal life. So I better take things seriously. And then I really sat down and um, give it a good try. Give it a good try. So you were, for that first year, you were losing break-even full-time? Uh, I was losing, pretty much losing. Okay. And I was losing for two years. Then I was break-even for another one, and then I became profitable. Oh. I see. And you see it probably as well in our masterclass. There are, and what people really struggle with is this break-even phase, because obviously losing sucks, but it's very clear that you're losing money and you're doing something wrong, but this break even phase, you're losing, you're winning some, and it seems, it feels like you're not making any progress. How did you, is there something that helped you to push through that or? 
Uh, I think the biggest part was I was doing my stuff all alone. Like I, I switched off the social media. Um, I, I was on a trading board where everyone had like a different approach. And I think this is really dangerous for the people. So like in your masterclass, for example, everybody has one or the other approach and they're trading your style or they're trading Moritz style. And this is okay if you learn, but if you are on a board where there are like 10 or 15 different approaches, it becomes really difficult for someone to, to trade. Mm -hmm. I agree, yeah, especially because um, all the trades, they look so great in hindsight. and <laughs> Everything looks great in hindsight. Yeah, you just had a losing trade and then you go on the board and this guy had five winning trades today. They're like, oh my God, okay, then you're switching again and again, right? And so it was really hard uh, for me as well. I was on Forex Factory in the beginning where there are 5,000 strategies or more. And uh, yeah, I had, I had a lot of style drift as well in the beginning, yeah. What about you, Rolf? Did you? Yeah, totally. I think it's normal. And when we did our Steenbarger interview, he said something really cool, which I think makes total sense, is that you give your time this learning phase where in the beginning, maybe two to three years, you just jump around systems, but you don't focus on making money. You just try to explore things. You're not hard on yourself if you lose money, as long as you can afford to lose it, obviously. <laughs> and then after a while, you have tested a lot of things and then you can really settle on one thing and as you as you said this really making sure you stop system helping and really focusing on one thing is such a such an important part i think in a trader's journey obviously in the beginning the results still suck but yeah you just have to then start working on one thing and making it work yeah the leap of faith as peter brand calls it <laughs> right Absolutely yeah right. sure so another uh, point that helped me a lot is like getting a routine set in stone, yeah. which I uh, use today, which I use since five years, which is everything basically the same. Okay. Should I talk about this? Yeah, awesome? totally. Routines <laughs> are always important. <laughs> okay. So I mainly trade indices. Um, this is so my, my DAX is my niche, uh, my trading niche. And yeah. I trade uh, indices, European indices, US indices. Uh, so let's talk about my trading routine. Um, I get up in the morning and what I do first is uh, I do a part analysis. Uh -huh. Everyone has uh, different roles. Like I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a trader. You get that from Van Tarp? Yes. Yes, oh. I get that from Van oh, So I have like, like a board meeting of uh -huh. uh, six different persons. Yeah? And they have to be all in line so I can start trading obviously. So if there are any um, difficulties, I don't trade at all. I just oh. get up and don't even start. Interesting. Mm -hmm. um, so this is the first thing I do. Then I screen the market for my shorter term strategies. So I trade, like I said, uh, breakout strategies for the indices, which isn't that much to, to screen for in the morning. Uh, then I trade Forex on the one hour chart. I usually do the screening from eight o'clock to nine o'clock. So somewhere in between the overlap of the Asia session and the London opening, mm -hmm. see if there are any uh, possibilities uh, that come up. So then I start the, the, uh, the breakout trading from nine to 10 okay. and see if I have a, a trend day or if some possible other possibilities show up um, besides the, the breakout trading, I trade a very, boring approach. Um, 
I just trade trend waves. They usually come in flags. So okay. when I have a flag breakdown, I trade to the bottom of the flag. Yeah. Nothing more, nothing less. It's usually 20 pips at the DAX, 10, 15, but it's a, it's a really safe bet. Uh, it's not exciting, but you make like 2, 3, 4% a month, and that's it. Yeah, it doesn't have to be exciting if it pays it's a low. actually pretty boring, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, so nowadays, uh, as I have two children, I, I stop trading at around 11. Um, I go outside with them, do some stuff, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then I come back at um, 2 p.m. Uh, to do some preparation for the U.S. session. And uh, I also trade some stocks, but I do that via a screener, simple mechanical system. Mm -hmm. um, but that's uh, longer-term trading, the stocks, right? Yes, that's longer-term trading. It's on the daily time frame. Yeah. And it's like five days down, you usually get an edge to the upside. Okay. If the price turns around, it's all statistically based, stuff like that. Then I repeat the, the opening range breakout for the US indices, which is uh, 3.30 yeah, p.m. And then I usually stop trading around six. This is the normal procedure, but then really the preparation comes into play. So when the markets are closed at 10 p.m., I have a homework sheet with uh, 20 different assets I trade. And um, I go through each asset and write down some notes, like a three-bar triangle breakout, or it's a range trade, mm -hmm. or um, if I have a buy chance or a sell chance for the next day, because I need to be prepared. Mm -hmm. When I wake up the next morning and the sheet isn't filled out, I don't trade as well. I see. So, so that's a super methodical approach. Like you are very clinical about it, I guess. Uh, I think it has to be. If you want to make some money, some real real money, not yeah. the, the, the little bucks, <laughs> you have to be prepared somehow. Um, another thing I do is like, I think you talked about in one of the interviews before, I have a mentor trading account. Um, which is like, uh, I say, let's say I want to make uh, 8,000 bucks a month. I divide it through uh, 20 trading days. Mm -hmm. And then I have 10 different, um, 10 different things I want to consider. And they all have to, for every successful thing, I checked on the list. Like, did I make a mistake? No. Um, did I trade to my, according to my setup, stuff like that? Was I drinking enough water? So everything to get in balance, I give myself some, some fantasy bucks, as you call it, as you call it, as, yeah. it as well. And when the price matches the supposed outcome, I know I did everything right. And I often can't complain at the end of the month. That's really cool. So it's basically uh, like a tilt meter from Edgewonk. <laughs> it's basically like, yeah, it's basically like a tilt meter. Yeah, right. More sophisticated though, a little bit. More, a little bit more sophisticated, but it's obviously like when I'm in a drawdown phase and I see like the MTA wasn't, uh, I haven't done the MTA probably, and they were missing some points, yeah. Um, I see, okay, maybe I should, should get back in line and do the stuff that is on that MTA, which works best for me. And yeah, that's how I do it. Interesting, mm -hmm. I like that approach. Yeah. 
So, one thing, because one yeah. thing, sorry. Um, I think this is all this accountability um, topic where as traders, we sit by ourselves all day and we can always talk ourselves into making the craziest mistakes and it all sounds great in our mind. So it's really, really important to hold ourselves accountable. And I love this practice. And I think this is something that many traders, amateurs don't have mm -hmm. where, yeah, you just, this accountability thing is really nice. I love this. I love this idea. It's really cool. And we had those challenges in the masterclass as well, where for months you do meditation or you try to not to break your rules. Um, that is something that is, yeah, it can make a big difference because accountability is a skill like any, anything else. So I love this idea. Yeah, yeah I think it's, it's uh, really hard. So when I, I'm mentoring traders or people who want, uh, who want to become traders, so the first thing I do with them is like put them into a structure they can follow each day because I think most traders or new traders don't have a structure at all, which is like a really bad thing to be honest, because they, they don't have a fixed time. Like when they do their watch list, when do they look at the screens and so on and so on. And the, the next thing is like the mental trading account, or it's like more said like the same with the tilt meter with edge wonk. Like when you talk with a trader, it's a, and he, he is uh, unhappy about his results. I simply say to them, okay, look at your past 30 trades and see how many rules you followed and how many rules you didn't follow. Yeah. And then sometimes the 5% drawdown without the mistakes becomes like a 2% or a break even level. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think the. Um the focus on the process is so underestimated. I mean, I've been saying it for many years now. I say it always now, masterclass. I say it to everyone who I mentor, uh, but no one ever wants to believe it. But, <laughs> but the focus on the process is just so crucial to trading success that you, that's also why we built the tilt meter actually into Edgewonk so people can see if they make execution mistakes or they don't stick to their process, it's actually reflected in their equity curve. And uh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, there's a super obvious correlation always. And uh, sometimes I forget about that myself and <laughs> I don't stick to my process for one or two days and the results always come and bite me in the ass. Always. Okay. So you need a way to hold yourself accountable more. Yeah. 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 Because I like the idea with the fantasy box. That's really cool. Yeah. I like that. So you mentioned that good, or you said that good trading is boring and that's obviously totally true, but nobody wants to have a job that is boring even. And then we get into the self-sabotage mode very often to just get something exciting. And then obviously this is not good for your trading. So how do you deal with this boring component in your trading? Okay. So how I've uh, mentioned earlier, like I do the parts analysis at the beginning of my trading day with, with different areas that are all part of my life. And um, so, like I said, I only start trading when all those parts are in line. So I'm basically fulfilled in all other areas. Mm -hmm. And I'm also fulfilled in my trading area. And for me, that's okay that this particular style is boring. And uh, besides trading that one approach, I have some other approaches which are less boring, where I'm like just trying new stuff, uh, on higher time frames, lower time frames, and so on. So um, let's say I'm a good one-trick pony. 
I can do one thing pretty well, which brings like the bread and butter trades. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm doing a little project at the moment and I see just, I just want to see how it turns out. Like always taking very, very less risk. My, my usual position size is one, uh, 0 0.2 to 0.4%. Mm -hmm. And um, so I want to see if I just trade this one approach, how far I can come. Mm -hmm. And this is like ridiculous. It's like 9% in two and a half months drawdown is very 2%, 3%. That sounds good. What do you want more? Huh? Right. Exactly. I mean, about, actually, about the uh, sorry, the ego part where you you have to be fulfilled in other areas of your life, and then you don't feel that bored. Actually, even if your trading strategy is boring, but if you have other parts in your life that are very very vibrant and stimulating, and um, then waiting for the right trade, it's not that boring anymore. It's just what you do, right? I mean, that's right. for me. I mean, if you are in an office, working in an office, how many people do you know that say, hey, my, my, my work is so exciting <laughs> every day. I'm getting a thrill out of it. Um, so for them, it's also boring. Sure. Yeah? Uh -huh. So I love what I'm doing. Don't get this wrong. Yeah. But uh, I think what the most people misunderstand or confuse is like there has to be some excitement mm -hmm. when you open and click the mouse. Mm -hmm. This is obviously not true. Right. Yeah. And by the way, this is all con um, Moritz and I, we did it as well. The Van Tharp home study course and the book um, Trading Beyond the Matrix. I'll put everything in the show notes. Highly recommend everything from Van Tharp. And you can see it very often in our masterclass. There are people who just want to trade, even there's nothing to do. And Van Tharp, I think he mentioned in his book that you just need to get this excitement. You need to get it satisfied somehow or otherwise everything that you do will you just try to get it satisfied to your trading and you can't get everything set or you shouldn't at least. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you often see people have some sports that are giving them excitement or something else. You just need to get it satisfied or otherwise it will express in your trading. Yeah. <laughs> that problem for a long time where I didn't get the fulfillment that I wanted from trading until I saw trading as a vehicle to improve the other areas of my life because I knew that if I improve the other areas of my life, my trading will actually improve. And that mm -hmm. was then firing back onto my trading and also improving the passion in that area. Was, yeah. Okay. yeah. You just need to have the balanced life and that yeah. is so, so important. You can derive your self-worth and everything from your trading. Yeah, especially yeah. not this European are going up and down. Right. <laughs> no. no, but I, uh, I tried some demo trading a while ago. I was just trading on demo to see if I like, like trading or do it for the money. So usually when you trade demo, the excitement shouldn't be there as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but I liked it like the same way. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how many people are feeling this way. So maybe you should do like an entry test for that one. Yeah. <laughs> If you would still trade, if you would only trade demo, that would be interesting. Yeah. I mean, yeah. for me, I would probably still do it because I feel great when I, when when my analysis of the market works out. So I would still do it as a hobby, but probably not that intensely. So okay, um, I have 
a question that I think would be super uh, interesting for many newer traders as well or people that are struggling right now because um, you said that you switched off all social media when you finally decided to take trading seriously. Mm -hmm. You stopped visiting the board and so on. So that basically means that you developed your own strategy, right? But but you also, I guess, took elements from other strategies. So it's more of a Frankenstein of a strategy. It's more of a Frankenstein strategy. Yeah, that's right. So I basically started out with the um, opening range breakout approach by Berger Schäfermeier. He's a coach in Germany. It it's, uh, was working for me at that time. Yeah, like seven yeah. years ago, eight years ago. And then um, I started to... to uh, fill in the stuff that were beneficial for me, for my personality, when to trade, when not to trade. Like I added some moving average. So above this moving average, for example, only the long direction and below only the short direction, stuff like that. Or I don't trade the, the breakout when I have a three bar overlap, stuff like that. Yes, I adapted this strategy when I took a picture of every trade I took. Mm -hmm really like crucial yeah and i look for similarities mm. of the winners and the losers interesting and then i just adapted it yeah so so you basically adapted it to your personality as well which i think is super crucial to trading success right um yes i think it's you can teach strategies to a certain part but then it depends on the trader i mean i can tell everybody what i'm doing with my breakdown of the flag system, which makes me a lot of money. But I doubt that many people can do that for various reasons. Yeah. yeah? Or if, if we take your approach or Rolf's approach, I mean, it's a perfect framework, but then they have to adapt it like a little bit to their own needs yeah. or to their own personality. Mm -hmm. yeah, the word framework, I think, is like really the key. It's not a fixed set of something that you need to apply or that you shouldn't apply. You really need to apply your own thinking. You can tweak little things here. You don't necessarily need a moving average. There are other ways how you could filter direction. Exactly. Yeah, but you need to find something that just makes sense to you. And then it's fun, I think, as well. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Right now, I'm also like experimenting with the uh, uh, other methods. I'm now putting indicators back to my trading, which I haven't done for a long time. It's a lot of fun. I'm, uh, I was moving back to hiking Ashi candles because yeah. I somehow realized that I uh, stay in the trade for a longer period of time. It's working better. And mm -hmm. somehow I'm, yeah, just yeah. adapt. But today I think I can make every strategy somehow profitable. Mm -hmm. If I keep trading it or not, uh, I don't know, but it works. I think if you get like the basic of, tra of trading in general, mm -hmm. um, you are good to go. But yep. This first step is so hard for most of the people because also of all the distractions they have, the internet, uh, YouTube, and stuff like that. Yeah. They system hop, they do weird stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's totally true. <laughs> it's a blessing and a curse because, of, of course, I mean, now you get all the information for free that you need to trade profitably. But on the other hand, you get all the information. <laughs> and it's yeah. so, so overwhelming. So when to stop like just when when is the point where you say okay that's enough input yeah. now i get to work 
it's exactly. like it's like back testing or curve fitting like an uh, a trading system when it's enough yeah. like you always try to be somehow better somehow better but you don't actually trade yeah. and if you decide to trade at one point and it doesn't work out the the way you want to in like the first two or three months you just system hop or most of the people system hop and start all over again Two or three months was already quite long. I think two yeah, or three. That's <laughs> I wanted to be a bit optimistic here. <laughs> but yeah, this moment where you make the decision, okay, I'm going to stop and I try to just build my system without deviations. And yeah, even if you build your system, you're going to add new stuff, but you need to make sure it's not completely always changing all over the place. I think this is really one of the crucial moments and the decisions a trader has to make. Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah by the way you said um and i think this is so dr steenbarger said the number one predictor for success is curiosity and he said even the best traders they're always curious and you said it you're playing with your indicators like an ashi and your approaches and i think this is really where you can see that's where you get the fun into trading you have your your main butter bread and butter but you have so many other things that you are still curious about there's always something new to test and I think this is something so, so fascinating. If you have this skill or develop this skill, I think it's going to pay off uh, big time as, um, of course. Mm -hmm. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully, yes. <laughs> right. So let's, let's uh, switch uh, gears a bit here. Uh, let's talk about your kids. <laughs> I mean, not your kids in general, uh, per se. I want to talk about when you had your children or you, you grew your family. How did it Did it impact your performance at all or your mindset? Are you thinking about them uh, when trading? Because, for example, I had the um, what I have in mind is the interview with uh, Michael Schumacher uh, that I uh, Schumacher Schumacher <laughs> that I heard a long time ago, and it it was so interesting because he said when race drivers have children, their average lap time gets uh, longer because they drive more carefully always. So that's, uh, maybe that's the same for you as a trader. So uh, with my first child, like it was like a big change in my life. Oh. So everything was really exciting and uh, a new human life came into my world. <laughs> so um, I was lucky that my child slept through the night and he wasn't that, um, uh, that kind of, not a big pain in the ass, let's say it this way, to be honest. <laughs> uh, my wife was taking care of him and this worked out pretty well, let's say. Of course, you spend some time with your newborn. Of course, you are always distracted because when the little one is like uh, um, crying or uh, isn't eating or whatever he's doing, you're always concerned. Um, so I made the decision to trade less because I knew I was distracted. Um, if you don't have this kind of self-awareness, I would recommend people not to trade at all. So if you don't know, uh, if you are not so long trading, let's put it this way, or if you're not a professional trader, I would say don't trade. But then the second child came. <laughs> <laughs> And my other child obviously got older. So this... Um, was more, more a kind of a problem because my wife couldn't handle the situation alone. Mm -hmm. So when they are here after the kindergarten, 
there's a lot of shouting, there's a lot of noise, there's a lot of going in and out of the room. Uh-huh. So this becomes really distracting. And this is also like um, not positive for the returns. Yeah. Not, not in a dramatic way, but you have to be really careful. And I caught myself in a situation where I was so stressed, where I put on a train and I closed it like five seconds after putting it on because I, I, I thought this is total, total nonsense. But you must be super aware uh, of yourself and what your, your mindset is. When you open a trade, you immediately close it because you realize you're not in the proper mindset. That's already uh, much, much better than 99% of people out there. Right? Yeah, but you have to do it. So the thing is, um, it, it, of course, it's, it depends on everyone's own situation, how you handle two kids, how you can sleep, how they interact uh, uh, between each other. So every situation is different. I can tell someone else who has two children how to trade and only speak to myself. But if you get, don't get enough sleep, mm. if they start crying in the morning, if they start crying in the afternoon or they want to play or the older one is already like, daddy, we need to go to the, to the playground, stuff like that. Yeah. You always have to make decisions yeah. somehow more or less. Yeah. So um, right now I work on a pretty tight schedule with my wife. So when I trade, when I don't trade. And outside of those hours, when the children are here, I don't trade at all. I just do stupid mistakes. <laughs> Even like the, the easy bread and butter trade becomes like sometimes not good. You just don't see some things. Mm-hmm. Mm, I agree. I, I totally get that. Even though I don't have kids, I can uh, totally imagine how they would uh, interfere with your trading activities. But what about the um, responsibility part of uh, you being a father? Because money could be the future of your kids, right? So did that have any impact uh, on your when you put on a trade and you lose it? Do you, do you have more problems uh... now? I would say um, I put on less trades. Yeah. I, put, I put on less trades on the intraday basis, on the daily time frame or on the one hour time frame where the rules are really set in stone for, for the systems. I can't do many mistakes. It's either a setup or it's, it's not a setup. And I'm stupid if I, if I do something in between, then it's my own fault. Um, so I do, I do a weekly and a monthly review and I see, okay, this, this, this wasn't supposed to be a trade. But, mm-hmm. um, so I would say I do less trades and I cut, cut losers earlier from time to time, not to lose any money. Mm-hmm. So maybe this is um, some kind of pressure I get. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is, do you have an, because this is like, to be at such a level where you catch yourself early on uh, while making a mistake, it's like such a high level. Do you have any mindfulness practice or is it just something that you get with experience, the feel for your system or is it? Um, so like I said, I do the parts analysis mm-hmm. morning. So it has to be like a, a, every morning I trade, it has to be like a quiet morning. So when my wife is outside because she's working from home as well at the moment, And I'm working in the back of our, uh, of our apartment. And if it's loud or if I feel any like disconnection between my parts, like I said, I don't trade. 
if I start trading and I feel like there's some certain, um, uh, how do you say it, unruh? Um, distractions. Distractions. There's some certain distractions. I try to get myself out like a, in a third person view. Okay. Disassociation exercise. Yeah. Uh, yes. So I like, uh, I imagine how I sit in front of the, the, the screens, what I'm doing, how do I feel? And this usually calms me down a lot. Uh -huh. yeah. And if this doesn't help, I just get up. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm uh, luckily able to just get up, get up and close the, close the screens and move away, do something else. Oh, interesting, because yesterday we talked to um, Stephen Goldstein and Mark Randall from Alpha Mind, and uh, Stephen said the best traders he knows, they are the best at letting go. So when they feel they don't have an edge, they just get up from the table, that's it. Right. Yeah, it's like, although I never played like any poker or all those casino games, yeah. I always like see myself sitting at the poker table and uh, just throw the cards away. Cool. I do some, some kind of connection there. I don't know why I never played poker, maybe one round in my life. <laughs> like, so every morning I get, get like dealt a hand of cards. I look at them. I see my homework sheet. So if something works out, I play them. If it doesn't, I go. What okay. should I do? Right now, when I have two children, when they're both in kindergarten, I think I will do some backtesting or develop some strategies in my mind or do whatever. Yeah. Uh, but right now, I just get up and leave. Cool. Awesome. Love it. <laughs> yeah. And this is not only applicable for people who have kids, but in general, if you feel any stressor, especially if you have a nine-to-five job, maybe your boss is annoying, which is probably not very uncommon, or you have issues with your, with your wife, with your spouse, whatever, it's really, really helpful to just really listen to yourself. How do you feel? Do you feel very aroused? Because this will immediately translate into how you trade. So this is absolutely, great. absolutely right. So like I said in the beginning, it's like a performance sport. Get the feedback immediately. Mm -hmm. And um, when you do put on some shitty trades, what are you doing? Do you, do you, what's, what's the sense of it? Do you meditate at all? Um, no, I tried to meditate. It somehow didn't work for me. Uh, I, 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 for me. <laughs> I don't know. So I decided to do like the parts, the parts analysis. Um, and I'm, this works fine for me. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. So, and we talked about this dissociation, which is really a cool exercise. And there's also like this question you ask yourself, what would the the professional trader that you aspire to be, what would he do in this moment? Would he really put on the trades if there's the apartments on fire and everything is uh, breaking down? Or would you just walk away and uh, get back to focus, to focus mode? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, another thing I do is like, um, uh, I did it for my business plan as well. I created an alter ego, which is uh, a normal sniper. <laughs> and it's um, cool. Uh, and it's uh, basically a guy with a, with a rifle who has a certain amount of bullets um, aiming at the target. It's like me like aiming for a, a certain trade I want to make with a, with a bankroll. Mm -hmm. And uh, do you want to spend all that cash on a shitty trade? I mean, it's like if, you, if you're a sniper and you don't hit your target because you want to shoot some cans in the back, um, <laughs> you maybe should do something else. You know? <laughs> 
know what I mean? I have a, I have a, a daily stop loss limit. Mm-hmm. And uh, when this is done, I also get up. I never reach it, but if I would, I would just say, okay, come on. That's, <laughs> that's it for today. Come back tomorrow. Okay. So when, when you reach that daily stop loss limit, um, do you do anything special after that to start the healing process to be okay the next day when you get back on the charts? Um, I'm, not, I'm not heartbroken, to be honest. It's yeah. not that difficult for me. So um, earlier it was, I was just like going out with my wife, not drinking, but having a dinner or just cooking something, stuff like that. Today I go outside with my children or I go to the gym, stuff like that. But I'm usually um, in full operation mode the next morning, mm-hmm. no matter what happened the day before. In earlier days when I had, I had like two margin calls, can you, margin calls is a crash of a whole account, right? Uh-huh. I had like 50 bucks left. <laughs> um, so this was devastating for like two or three days, but like I said, it was gambling. Huh? Yeah. Um, so today I'm really much fine. I would say I, um, when I reach a certain loss limit at the end of the day and I do my homework sheet and the mental trading uh, uh, account stuff in the evening, I can already see where the mistake was. Was I the stupid guy yeah, who made some, who, who, who was taking a setup which was not there? Or was the market just not in my favor? And if the market was not in my favor, it's totally fine. Yeah, it's, it happens. And if I was doing a stupid mistake, it's also basically totally fine. I'm just an idiot. <laughs> Don't do it again. Mm-hmm. So you have a very effective feedback loop as well. Yeah, I think you need to do that. If you get like, uh, if your performance is tracked in day, in day and out, you always need to have a feedback loop. Yeah, yeah this loss analysis, I think it's so cool. You separate your trades. Are you the idiot or did it just not work out? So important. You will find out right away because people always say, oh, I'm in a losing streak. I'm stuck in a losing streak. But when you look at them, they're not even executing their system. So whatever they do is it's totally random an outcome, which is it's an important finding because this is actually you can turn this around. It's not like the market is not agreeing with your system at all. But you can actually fix this if you just pull yourself together somehow. Yeah, absolutely right. So talking about awareness and what you just said, uh, it seems very easy for you to stick to the longer-term mindset and don't get caught up in short-term results. Um, Or at least it comes naturally to you, I think. Um, Is there any tricks you can or tips you can give to other traders how to do that? Uh, so basically what I found out for myself is due to the fact that I'm trading real small position sizes, Mm -hmm. I'm not so, um, concerned about the outcome end of the day. Mm -hmm. Not sure if this is approach for everyone, but if you take like, um, 0.2% per trade and you mess up five trades, when you have five trades according to your trading system and they are all rules are checked and you lose all five trades, I think you're doing something wrong. This shouldn't happen. It's never happened to me. Mm-hmm. So um, you either are break even or you are a little bit in the, in the positive way or a little bit in the negative. 
So for me, this is absolutely fine. I know the drawdown isn't, isn't that big. I just get up the next morning and keep on going. Mm-hmm. But I think this whole concept of mine would get like uh, out of order if I change position sizing. You know, if I start like trading with 1%, 1.5 or whatever, and I get a bigger drawdown, I think I wouldn't, maybe wouldn't be so easy to come back the next day. Mm-hmm. For sure. So, I mean, it's like if you have like a 10% drawdown nowadays, what do you need to make it back of 15%? 12, 11, 12%. I mean, this is like the average investors doing through the whole year. Yeah. <laughs> so, <True. laughs> so, and all those new people who have like a 20% drawdown and think they can make it up to the break even in one week. <laughs> I don't know how this is possible if you trade according to a, to a certain money management or stop loss yeah. management or whatever you want to call it. It's simply not possible. And this is, I think, where so many traders start wrong right off the beginning. Yeah. And uh, also it burns through your mental capital really fast if you absolutely crazy swings in your trading. So when I lost all this money in earlier days, I was like really, usually I was like uh, blowing off my account, like huge parts of it without any risk management, let's say 5% one day, the next day I was getting back seven. And then the next day I was down 10, stuff like that. It was more like a, what do you call it? Rush of adrenaline. Yeah. yeah. And it didn't work out. It doesn't work out in any way. So I think trading has to be boring. And yeah. if you want to get ex- at least for, for some strategy that make you good money, if you want to do some stuff on the side, do that. Why not? Right. Totally. Yeah. Remember Moritz, when we met, uh, I mentioned a few times the story, the trader in Singapore, we had dinner with who works for the fund. And he said, he just trades um, rejections at Bollinger Bands. And that's what he does all day long. And it's super boring, but it's uh, yeah, it really resonated on so many levels. But if you tell this an average trader, they would say, no, it, it cannot work and you need this and this tool. And yeah, so yeah, try to keep it simple and just focus on making it work. As you said, I think this is so true earlier. You said um, it becomes a skill. Once you make one strategy profitable, you can take any strategy and make it somehow profitable or at least improve it. It's really a skill. So focus on one thing and then you can replicate it uh, multiple times later on. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Definitely focus on risk management and the process and keeping your mindset in check. And then you can have the simplest strategy on the planet and uh, it's just going to work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You just, you just make money. Or <laughs> <laughs> surprise. Yeah. Another, another thing you said um, with risk management, you, fo- you use cons- um, consistent risk management. I think one thing that I see is often people do is inconsistent risk management. They use 1% on one trade and 2% and half a percent. So you're undervaluing and overvaluing essentially the same trades. And so they have each has a different weight. And then um, it's, then you're in a drawdown and then you take two less risk and then it's, it's not enough. And then you have the next trade, you add more uh, risk. And then obviously it's a loser and then you're deeper in the hole. So yeah, consistent risk management is just so, so important, I think. I think there's also a problem like when people talk about different setup uh, setups classifications, like this is an A setup, this is a triple A, and this is a B setup. I mean, where to draw the line? I think it gets like really, uh, really, 
uh, complicated from there. I mean, how do you how do you compare your results in the end? Mm-hmm. Me, a setup is a setup, and I don't do some some classification like this is a plus and this is a double plus. Maybe the setup has some more statistical advantage or some other benefits on my side. If it's at a certain support or resistance level, then I say, okay, this might work out better than the other one, which is like in a range territory, mm-hmm. stuff like that. But I don't play around with my position size. Mm-hmm. I but never do that. As you just said, you don't create your setups, but um, do you have different feelings about positions? Like some trades that you take, you feel really confident about, and some trades that you take, you don't feel them at all, but they meet your technical criteria, so you have to take it. How do you react with that? Um, if I have an, uh, a harsh feeling or my gut feeling is not good, yeah. but the setups look nice, I also don't trade it. Okay. And I, lo- I missed a lot of trades, but I don't, because I know... I, I know I'm somehow not in balance. I know this maybe sounds a little bit strange, but if I'm not in balance, I maybe oversee something. Mm-hmm. So when I see like, um, okay, here's a good breakout level and the candle closed above the whatever you want to call it, MA resistance, blah, blah, blah. But uh, I think, hey, don't trade. Somehow don't trade. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't do it. Mm-hmm. And, and I... I missed a lot of money, but I also missed like a good, a good portion of trades that wouldn't have worked out. Yeah. It's the same for me. Uh, when I don't feel the trade, I don't take it. And uh, sometimes I get a little bit annoyed because it would have been a great trade. Sometimes I feel good about it because it would have been a loser. Um, but important is obviously to work with the emotions afterwards and not like just yeah, let go of the emotion, no matter whether it was a loser or a winner or would have been. Um, but when I don't feel a trade, I don't take it 100%. It's never going to happen. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I personally can't say when this shift happened inside myself because uh, I wasn't trading this way the whole time, of course. Yeah. Uh, but now I can look at missed trades that are running nicely in an easy way. It works. So I don't, I don't know. I get a little bit sad from time to time. <laughs> so I took like, like give you a recent example. I took one uh, British pound short against the Swiss franc, but the other pairs were moving down as well. And we had like the, the, the finger on the mouse on two other pairs, I think pound US dollar and pound JPY. I don't know. And they worked out as well, but I said, hey, um, no, somehow... Uh, maybe I wasn't so sure at that moment, but it's fine. Yeah. In the end, it's fine. And at the end of my year, of my trading year, or whatever you want to call it, uh, I, don't, I don't care anymore mm-hmm. what I've missed. Mm-hmm. Cool. It doesn't matter. It, you said even if it's a valid setup and you don't feel it, you don't take it. Is, this, is there another way around if it's not a valid setup, but you feel amazing about it? Do you take it or? <laughs> uh, no, I don't. I used to, but I don't. Yeah. There are many like when you trade uh, the DAX, for example, which is sometimes really illiquid. And because DAX is my trading niche, I know how it basically moves uh, when they make a spike and they, they move very, um, very fast. The index moves very fast. And uh, 
there are some situations where, where you exactly know, okay, this time um, the, the spike will touch this level and I normally would go long, but the setup isn't complete and the price touches this level and the price goes long, blah, 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 blah. I don't take it because in the moment I will take it, it won't work out. Hmm. You know what I mean? It hmm. works every time, um, not in, in my favor where I don't take the trade. So I don't have a valid setup. I have a good gut feel. I see the price moving to a certain level. The, I would say, okay, I, you, I should take it, but I don't do it. The price gets rejected and moves into take profit or whatsoever. But the moment I click the mouse and actually would take the trade, I swear to God, it would fail. Oh my God. Murphy's, Murphy's, Murphy's law, or whatever it is called. Yeah. I know this will happen. Also always when you test the strategy, it works. And then you go with live money. The first trade is always a loser. Yeah. It's oh. always <laughs> so, and then you have like the negative balance and what you're going to tell yourself because in the trading journal it's not a valid, set, valid setup and you say okay I shouldn't have taken this trade but here let's say minus 2000 bucks or minus 100 whatever and so okay <laughs> what's that all about huh what are you doing here yeah right and then it just looks like you're justified a bad trade that you somehow just wanted to trade and you just feel bad about yourself. I think that's something that many, the amateur traders is, I think that is where they really struggle is just if, or excuse or having this gut feeling excuse. Um, and I think in the beginning, especially if you haven't been trading for a long time, or if you haven't a good profitable track record, you should not listen to your, uh, or not listen as much to your gut feeling. I think, I think it's a process that in the beginning you're more rigid, I think. And over time, you will learn to, because this gut feeling is, it's real, but I think it's, it's like, it's huge part of experience. Uh, I tracked the gut feeling actually in, in Edgewong for a time. Yeah. And surprisingly, the, like I had uh, uh, one, which is no good feeling at all. And five is super confident. And the best trades were around the three, 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 four. So not the trades where I was highly confident. They, tend not to work so well like the ones where I said, okay, this is a valid setup, I'm going to take it. Mm -hmm. When we come back to boring, I didn't get excited. I just saw the setup, it matched to all my other criteria, and it simply worked. Oh. I found I do exactly the same in Edgefunk. Maybe you talked about that before. So I also do five is perfect and one is I don't want to take it. Um, and also like 3.5 to 4 is the rough average of my most profitable trades. And five, uh, fives are even break even or slightly losing. Because I think at, when I have a five trade, it, the technicals are so clean that everyone else is also seeing the trade. Absolutely. And then it's going to be a super messy entry because it's going to be super crowded. Maybe that's the reason. I think, Rolf, let's get back to your, to your question where, where I have a good gut feel, but the setup isn't that perfect. I think when you start trying to take those setups, you get like really um, unsauber. Mm, unclean. Messy, yeah. Unclean in your whole process. Because you see, okay, if I have a good a good gut feel but not a clean trading setup and it works out like for a period of time let's say like for two weeks you start trading a whole messy approach mm -hmm. and in the end uh, because you don't 
in the end, when those setups repeat, they repeat in an unclean way, and you take them, they maybe go wrong, and you lose all the money back again. Mm -hmm. so you start to become inconsistent, and you maybe throw your whole approach away because you some kind of mix stuff up that doesn't work. Right. This is my explanation. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Maybe yeah. as a general rule of thumb for people, um, I would never take a trade based on gut feel alone, but I will dismiss trades based on gut feel. Right. So if I have a trade that is valid, but I don't feel good about it, I will not take it. But if there is something showing up on the chart and I feel like them, and this has to go up, but it doesn't fit any of my rules, then I just let it go. Absolutely. Yeah, there was in the reason this Corona indice up and down. I was really tempted to always always trade, but I knew it didn't fit my system right away, and it's painful to see it run away, even though you <laughs> guess the direction right. But long term, you always have to remind long term, you want to do this for 20, 30 years. Um, it's it's going to pay out big time, I think, because you're going to put yourself into positions where you just can't recover from. Yeah, my, my best argument when I want to take positions like this, my best argument to remind myself for not taking them is always the management. Because I'm a very anxious person and I, I'm a control freak and I want to manage my trade as closely as possible, what I do with my main strategy. When I take a trade that doesn't fit my strategy, I have no clue how to manage it and I'm going to mess it up 100%. So it's never going to have a positive expectancy for me, never. Right? Yeah. Totally. And I think it, because we always get asked uh, in everywhere about how do you develop discipline? And I think it's those little decisions that you make day in and day out that you're going to skip the trades, that you're going to do your homework, that you're not going to start trading unless you have done this. Yep. Um, yeah, I think because discipline in the end is a muscle, it comes with experience. And yeah, this is, it's really cool to see how you approach it as well. Mm -hmm. So our time is coming to an end. I have one final question for you. Sure. Um, looking back over your now 20 years trading career, seven years full time, yeah. <laughs> uh, what would you tell your younger self 20 years ago, 10 years ago, five years ago, or what would you tell a young trader starting out now? Um, so I would basically tell them, look for one proper approach. You have to find it by yourself. So don't switch to various YouTube channels. Yeah? Do the masterclass, for example. Yes, um, I would, I would uh, tell them if you put like indicators on your chart, um, learn how they are calculated, learn how they are formed up. Um, because most people don't even know what they put on their charts. They don't know what a moving average is. They don't know how the RSI is calculated, stuff like that. Um, uh, and then question everything. I would say question everything you learn. And um, I think this is the best thing you can do. Because I was like... In the beginning, I was also following uh, forums and, and YouTube and stuff like that. And I was trading similar to the people who were like showing the stuff, but it never worked out. It somehow never worked out. It's, I don't know. I either was too late or I was too, too, too early. I, I don't know what happened. It never worked out. And then I said, okay, I do my own like statistical research. And I saw that the stuff they teach is like, complete bullshit yeah so this is what i 
suggest. Love it. Cool. Um, so there you have it, guys. Constantine, average guy. <laughs> average trading strategy, very effective, a little bit boring. He's doing the process. He's doing putting in the work. He's doing the grind and he's making cash. He's doing it full time. He's paying for the bills. He's raising his family with his trading. So he's basically living the dream without any flashy Lambos and uh, he's doing it the right way. So tons of lessons in this podcast, 100%. I loved it. Thank you so much for your time. And uh, I hope people, people will learn so much from this. I hope. Is there any way people can connect with you or you prefer to stay under the radar? No, I have a, a Twitter account. Um, I can send it to you. You can uh, post it in the, in the, below the video. Yeah, I will do that. I'm not really active on social media, but if people want to get in contact, of course, they can, they can write a message. Cool. Perfect. And besides that, no social media. <laughs> That's a good choice. That's really good. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Constantine. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye. Bye. Take care.